Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth, where this show talks about business, personal growth, wellness, and spirituality. All topics, Buki. Uh, and if you would, hold up your book. Sure. There we go. All topics. I don't understand navigating unconscious bias. Um, we're going to be speaking with Buki in the workplace. And uh, Mozuki, I pronounce, did I pronounce that right? Masaku. 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 Yeah. Well, Buki, I'm going to tell our listeners a bit about you. You can put the book down now because I don't have a copy of the book. We'll <laughs> ask you to hold that back up again a little bit later. But for all my listeners out there, uh, Buki is known by the London Economic, and he is joining us from London, is the world's foremost expert on navigating unconscious workplace bias. Uh, he was born in, in West London to Nigerian pa parents. He started his corporate career in media and advertising before moving into consultancy in the city of London. He founded Ross ACAD, an international business and sales training consultancy and diverse city think tank, a consultancy of workplace bias navigation and diversity inclusion experts. And his work as communication expert, consultant and coach to tens of thousands of global clients, staff over more than two decades, he became acutely aware of the impact of the multi-directional role of workplace biases in otherwise prosperous careers, including in, in his own times. Um, he became frustrated with his own challenges and inadequacies of behavioral experts, authors, and consultants attempting to address workplace biases. So he set out to develop a fair, equitable, results-oriented methodology to tackle person-to-person -person biases effectively in the workplace. His book, I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace, is the culmination of more than two decades of working with observing and interacting with more than 50,000 individuals throughout the world as a consultant, communications expert, trainer, and coach. Well, welcome to Inside Personal Growth. Thanks for taking the time, Buki, to address what in our world, everybody's world, worldwide, not just London, not just, you know, Los Angeles, not just New York. This is a problem worldwide. And, uh, I want you to share with the listeners what motivated you to write it, because obviously being a black man, uh, you recognizing the biases probably more than anybody else, you wanted to tackle this topic of unconscious bias in the workplace, which is a big one. I mean, it's, yeah. a, big, it's a big one to tackle. Um, Why did you, you want to write this after, you know, working with 50,000 individuals and all of them, really probably realizing that they were all biased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Greg. And um, yeah, look, you know, um, it's interesting because, you know, I'm in my 23rd year of consulting. 
And when I, you know, uh, when I became a solo practitioner initially, a soul, yeah, right, um, solopreneur, right, whatever the word term is, um, I was exposed to uh, bias, you know, all types of bias in the course of developing a business, um, in particular, racial bias. Um, now, when I say that, people always think, ah, right, yeah, it's a black guy, he's been on the receiving end of racial bias. But in reality, actually, yes, sometimes I was. But in other cases, it was my bias towards the majority. And that kind of confused me. Like sometimes I would go for a deal and I wouldn't, and it appeared that I wasn't going to get the deal. And, you know, I felt that the that was driven by unconscious bias from the client. And so I'd get really upset and I'd be cursing them out in my mind. And what then- define Buki as unconscious bias. I think that might be the starting point for some of my listeners right now. It's like, okay, this guy's talking about unconscious bias and, and they may have an idea, but what is your definition of it? I know you got a great one in the book. Yeah. So look, unconscious bias is career stifling behaviors driven by uh, societal conditioning, negative career stifling behaviors well, career stifling behaviors driven by negative societal conditioning towards certain groups, right? That is what unconscious bias is. So where you put people into groups. And in the story I was saying, I sometimes sensed bias towards me. That is because of my ethnicity, um, uh, because I was going for high profile roles and people weren't used to seeing people who look like me uh, leading an organization around uh, that would they would give that role, that business to. I sensed bias. I sensed that they didn't want to give me both the business. But in reality, what would happen is that two weeks later down the line, I'd get a call and a person would say, Bookie, we love you. We love what you're doing. We really want you to work with us. And I think, oh my God, I was just cursing those guys. Thank God people can't read minds and I'd get the business, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's not the life of a salesperson. It is, it is. But you know, as salespeople, as we as salespeople are, we're impatient, right? And I started to see it as bias. And then, but sometimes I was right. So then some, so it was a confusion for me. So this led me to a quest on trying to work out how to deal with this bias thing, because it was doing, it was doing my head in. So that was it. Yeah. And also, I should also say this. Whenever I was on the receiving end of bias, right? Whenever you, anybody's on the receiving end of bias, right? Um, the feeling that you tend to have is, I just don't understand uh, how somebody could be so nice and then so wicked. The incivility of this behavior, the injustice. I just don't understand it. Can you believe what this person said to me? Can you believe what this person did? And you're calling it in. But the overwhelming feeling is that you just don't understand. So that led, that misinterpretation that I told you about earlier, and this feeling that you tend to call internally um, led to the title of my book, I Don't Understand, because I kept thinking, what if I could call it out? What if I could say it without getting the other person upset? And so that's what, how I... What in your estimation, Buki, is the difference between discrimination and an unconscious bias, if there is any? Because wait a second, you know... I'm Jewish right now. Anti-Semitism is pretty uh, challenging across the, the whole world, right? So now what you got to say to yourself is, okay, there's 
gr- lots of groups where there's lots of biases or maybe mm. more discrimination or even hate. Mm. Right. And so how do you address that? Because in the workplace, I would assume this goes on all the time. Yeah. How do, no, you, how do you break it? How do you break it? How, so, well, I think the first thing to reckon, the most important thing to recognize in order, if you want to effectively navigate bias, effectively, I can show you, I can show anybody how to navigate workplace bias. That is being treated it badly because of your difference, right? I'll show you how to do that. You know, not getting the same opportunity, um, being unconsciously discriminated. I can show you anybody how to deal with that. But the only way I can show you how to deal with that, right, is if you accept the multidirectional nature of bias. That Mm -hmm. is, bias is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. There are certain groups that are at the wrong end of bias, more so than others, but it's still a two-way street. You know, if I sense bias from you as my boss incorrectly, right, I that becomes my bias. So the question then becomes, well, what's my bias? What's my misinterpret? You know, if I misinterpret, uh, let's say I misinterpret an unfavorable decision towards me is driven by unconscious bias, right? Mm-hmm. The question becomes, well, what's that misinterpretation based on? Well, I'll tell you what it's based on. It's based on my past experience. It's based on hearsay in my community, right? And it's based on a wider narrative about the white majority. And I anchor to that. I shortcut to that when I'm on the uh, receiving end of unfavorable decisions. I shortcut to that conditioning. And that becomes my bias. So there are two forms of bias, right? There's directional bias. That's the one that we all know about which is towards you because of your race and ethnicity, your gender, your sexual orientation, your age. And there's multidimensional. And then there's reverse, what I describe as reverse bias. That is where you misinterpret sensed or actual unfavorable decisions towards you as driven by bias. Yeah, I got it. Well, that becomes your bias. And if you think about those two biases, directional and reverse, they're actually based on the same thing. So directional bias, the one that we all know about, right? What's that based on? Well, I'll tell you, it's based on hearsay in people's community about a particular group. It's based on their past experience with that particular group, a negative past experience with that particular group, and a wider narrative about that group. So the point I'm trying to make is that we're all exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we are, except, and then I'm going to say except Mm. that some people believe they're better than okay um which helps to uh perpetuate those biases but you know you created a quiz and you have a website www.navigatingbias n a v i g a t i n g b i a s.com for my listeners we're going to put a link can you tell us about the quiz and if somebody goes to that website and takes that, if they're very curious right now, they're like, hey, this guy's speaking the truth. Buki understands this. I understand I have the bias. Now I take your quiz. What does it tell me? Right. So that's, yeah. So I call that the Masaku's Bias Navigation Test. And you go, yeah. like you said, go to navigatingbias.com. And essentially what it tells you is that, you know, organizations, this is one of the bias 
in an organization leads to underrepresentation of certain groups, right? So organizations have different ways of dealing with it, right? And what I found is that there's unconscious bias towards a person, which is negative, negatively holds them back. But there's also unconscious bias in the way that we address it, in the strategies that we use to address and tackle unconscious bias. So when you go to um, uh, Masaku's bias navigation test at navigatingbias.com, when you go there and you take, and you, it's 90 seconds, when you take the kind of test or quiz, right? What it does, it identifies what strategy, what thought process, what behavior you use to address bias, right? And it, then it tells you what the right one is for you to use. So it kind of it, it kind of um, reveals the right strategy for you to tackle bias. Um, well, you it, said you said earlier that in the workplace, you can help people understand where and how this bias comes from you mentioned to the readers in the book that how to think what to say when to say and a way to say it is yeah. really important could you speak with us about this idu methodology <laughs> yeah so idu stands for i don't understand right which mm -hmm. is the the title of the book and the title of the book is based on the methodology i don't yeah idu which stands for i don't understand and like i said at the, at the top of this right whenever you're on the receiving end of what you believe to be uh injustice unfair behavior towards you career stifling behavior towards you because of your difference you send you tend to feel like you don't understand why this is happening. You can't understand this injustice in front of you. So what if you, instead of calling that inwards, what if you could call it out? And that's what the IDU methodology is all about. And there are basically uh, uh, two types of bias, right? There's what I describe as simple bias and complex bias. So simple career stifling bias and complex career stifling bias. So simple career stifling bias is microaggressions. By microaggressions, I mean subtle slights said to you on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe because of your difference. You are, your lot do this. Or, you know, if I had hair, can I touch your hair? You know, or, um, you know, any kind of negative, you speak so well. That's, that I used to be told that. When I started speaking, people say, oh, you speak so well. Look, you speak so well. And I would see that as a kind of backhanded compliment that for somebody that looks like me, I sleep, speak so well. Right. So that would be a microaggression. I, 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 sometimes it was a reverse microaggression for my part, but we'll get on to that later. Right. So that's simple bias. Now, it, other books, other methodologies have all these different, complex, boring ways of dealing with it. But I think there are three steps to dealing with uh, simple, simple career stifling bias. So the way to deal with simple career stifling bias is to give the person the benefit of the doubt. Always give the so when a person used to say to me, "You speak so well, Bookie." Instead of thinking it was a slight, right. why don't I just think? Why don't I just think they feel I speak so well compared to the last person, or or I generally speak so well? So give the step one: give the person the benefit of the doubt. Right? Step might it two: be, might it be that you were raised with a family of biased in your Nigerian group, and it said uh, that I'm not enough. So when somebody complimented you about being good enough it had nothing to do with them 
It had everything to do with Buki and how he was raised because he said, I was always told maybe I wasn't enough. So now that if someone tells me I speak really good, what the hell's wrong with that person? <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're on the money, Greg. And uh, you want to be my <laughs> right? But anyway, so it could be that. Many it could cases, be. Many you're, cases, saying, you're saying give them the benefit of the doubt. I say, yes. Why would you put in a state of mind that that would upset your peace? Right? Yeah, exactly. So why do you want that comment that was a compliment to upset your peace? Oh, I accept what you said. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Okay. But there are two elements, two more elements to that, to that. Okay. Thing. So, yeah. So, you know, and I'm tapped into the, the reason why you know, obviously you've you you've given me a psycho analyst there, right? Analysis there. But the other reason why is I'm tapped into the wider narrative about the white majority not liking people like me or thinking that we're lesser, right? But the second step is for step one, give them the benefit of that. Second step is recondition, light semi-reconditioning. So if I feel that there is something there, but I should always give them the benefit of the day. If I feel there is something there, I could just say to them. Um, oh, thank you. You you sound surprised. And then move on and enjoy your lunch, right? Mm -hmm. So step three is move on and enjoy your lunch. Now, the sound surprise will get the person to think, oh, why does he think I sound surprised? Or And that, that might get them thinking, and that kind of interrupts uh, the bias, if the bias is there. And it stops that microaggression, microaggression from happening again. Because the biggest issue with microaggressions is the accumulation. It's not the one comment. It's the accumulation that affects the well-being and affects mental health. And because people don't know how to deal with it. But if you respond and then move on and enjoy your lunch, your lunch will always be good. But my lunch was ruined because I keep thinking about it. Why does he think I speak so well? What are they trying to say? That kind of thing. So that's simple bias, right? right? Right. Then the second one is complex. Now, this is the real big stuff. This is what I think is what um, under causes major underrepresentation in the West. You know, and you just have to look at figures in the United States and the, and the UK. In the United States, there are only seven in the Fortune 500. There are only seven black CEOs, right? There are only 53 females in the Fortune 500 who are CEOs, right? In the UK, in the in the FTSE 100, there are zero black CEOs, right? In the FTSE 250, there's only 16 ethnic minorities. So that all of that tells you that underrepresentation in the West is a problem. Now, I think the way to deal with that, when you sense an injustice, your career stifling, complex, that is maybe... You're bringing in business. You're a, you you want to be made. You want to be put on the shortlist for partner, but you're not put on the shortlist. But other people are who you think you're better than. That's complex because it's difficult to prove, right? So how you address that is with four key steps, right? So step one, right, and this is really important, is leave your baggage in the lobby. Leave your baggage at the door. Baggage that, based on what you can see, based on the representation that you can see around you in your sector, in the company, in the country, you have every right to be carried. But you got to drop it. you got to drop it. You can pick it up on the way out, if you like. But in the moment, you have to drop that. You have to leave the baggage at the door. So what I mean by that is racial bias baggage, sexual orientation baggage, gender baggage, age baggage. You can't bring 400 years of slavery to the table. You can't bring the ills of the colonial empire to the table. You've got to drop all that stuff. 
Mm. Now, my question to you, Greg, is why do you need to drop it? Why do you need to drop it if you're going to address this bias in the moment? Why do you need to drop it? Sense bias. Well, I, I, you know, I just come from it as a positive charge, negative charge, or neutral charge. If I give it a positive charge, it's going to basically create more animosity amongst the other people I'm going to be with. If I give it a neutral charge and I come in accepting and at peace with who I am and who they are, I virtually can negotiate much better than I could if I created those biases in the workplace. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's it. I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for. No, but but that's a good, that's, (laughs) that's, that's that's a good, that's the answer. So that, you know, and that is the, 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 the bottom line, but in our process, Right. It's the only, the, you know, by dropping the baggage, it's the only way that you can get to step two. So the question then becomes, well, what is step two? So step two, and by the way, have you seen Karate Kid? Yeah, a long time ago. You remember Mr. Miyagi? Yeah. Yeah. You remember he had a protege, it was called Daniel Russo or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was in his final fight. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in, his, he's in his final fight, right? And um, Miyagi said he's scared because he's been bullied and he doesn't want to lose because he's been winning and he's up to that point and he doesn't want to lose. And Miyagi says to him, Daniel, empty your head. Empty mm-hmm. your head. Now, why is he telling him to empty his head? It's because so that he can be focused. And it's the same thing. So you need to leave that baggage in the lobby, right? Right? And then that enables you to move to step two. So the question then becomes, well, what is step two? And step two is give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So we've looked yeah. at two steps. Step one, right? Leave the luggage in the lobby. Step two, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But here's the rub. Here's the rub, Greg. Call them out anyway. Leave the you know, Give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but call them out anyway. So the question then becomes, well, how could you give a person, this is what people ask me in my workshops and when I do talks and keynotes. They say, well, how could you possibly give a person the benefit of the doubt and call them out at the same time? So the way that you give them the benefit of the doubt and call them out at the same time is to say these simple three powerful words. I don't understand. Right. I don't understand. That's it. It's the purest. It's the most unscathed place you can come from. We call this engaging in dispassionate developmental inquiry. Dispassionate developmental inquiry, DDE. And when you say, I don't understand, there's even more good news, right? Um, You invoke the person, if you turn it into a question, you say, I don't understand like that. You invoke our natural instinct to give direction. That is, the person will say, what don't you understand? Or they'll say, um, well, let me explain. And now you're into an otherwise sticky conversation that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get into. Now, the key is to maintain, the key is to manage that conversation by maintaining developmental inquiry. That is, I you like need to continue asking, but, de- you know, developmental questions. Yeah, right? actually, your- as you, if the more you can question, you know, I, I, you have a degree or background in psychology as well. Um, you know, I remember when I was going through my psychology course, one of the better uh, methodologies to help people was Gestalt therapy. Right? Oh, yeah. So to, to actually sit in the shoes of the other person who you'd been wronged by and mm. look at it from their standpoint. I think if everybody in your uh, in your corporation uh, mm. would do that, they would realize that that's the only way they knew how to react, right? 
So I, I think as a methodology, not that everybody's going to do gestalt therapy and sit yes. in the chair of the other person, but you get yeah. where I'm coming from. The other thing is a little sign here. Be here yeah. now. Um, yeah. You know, uh, this is on my desk all day long, right? I, I have to be present for these interviews. You can't yeah. go here. You can't go there. You can't go all over the place. So what, what in an unconscious bias, how is it going to affect? We're talking about workplaces here. The culture of a workplace and what are the long-term implica implications if it goes unaddressed? Well, okay. By the way, I should just say there was a fourth step, right? So the fourth step. Oh, on the, finish on... the fourth step. Yeah, yeah. So step one was give was um, leave your baggage in the, at the door. Step yeah. two was uh, um, give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. Step three was engage in how do you do that be engaged in di dispassionate developmental inquiry so yeah. i don't understand and step four was collaboratively agree next steps and of course you can do that because you had a collaborative discussion right mm -hmm. so that's that's the process now to your question um which was how do we could you tell how do we, how is uh, how is unconscious bias left unaddressed in the workplace going to have long-term implications if it's unaddressed well, look, if it's not, un if it's unaddressed, look, um, Gallup, right? Gallup did uh, did uh, some research five years, four or five years ago, right? And it said that, you know, bias, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, it caught it, disengagement, bias-related disengagement is causing America, is costing America between 450 and $550 billion a year. Right. Mm -hmm. Why is it costing America that much money? And it's probably higher now. Right. The reason why it's costing that is um, because disengagement leads to lower output and lack of productivity. Mm -hmm. Right. It leads to an unspoken tension. It it, it leads to um, di it, it, it's divisive. Right. And it leads to a them and us uh, uh, um, right. type mentality. Right. And this costs an organization. It, it costs you in output. It costs you in, an, in having a cohesive team. So we need to find a way of reducing it. In fact, in what we do, we actually measure the cost. We show you how much it's costing you. Um, not, not in an ethereal way, in a very clear way. So um, it has to be addressed. And then, you, you know, um, it's widely known now that diverse teams are higher performing, right? So... Um, when you have underrepresentation, you're actually kicking yourself in the foot. You're doing yourself disservice as an organization. So we have to find ways of addressing it. And the problem with organizations in the West, in corporate America, in UK, in Europe, the problem with organizations is that they subscribe to what I describe as a guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model. That is, there are these people out there who look a certain way, walk a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they, by default, are the guilty perpetrator. Mm. And there are these people who look a certain way, who walk and talk a certain way, they, by default, are the hapless victims. And in order for um, things to get better, the guilty perpetrator, the traditional guilty perpetrator, has to spend their time in self-correction, right? And that will make the life of the minority hapless victim better. But the problem with that is twofold, right? First of all, that reinforces to the majority, right, that they're guilty and they're in a perpetual state of guilt trying to uh, self-correct their biases. 
And as far as the minority is concerned, it reinforces to the majority that the minority are a bunch of hapless victims that can't go anywhere without, whose careers can't go anywhere without the majority changing. And that's not good for the, that. that's a negative and one of the most demeaning and destructive biases out there. So, so that's there are everybody, so what you're saying is if you could get everybody at the table to realize that we both had biases, right? And it was multi-directional, right? It's not just one race against another, one sex against another, that literally we can come on an equal playing ground to work through this. Like you said, the four steps, right? So if there's out there today listening to you and I, employers, which there are, who want to initiate conversations about unconscious bias, but they haven't crossed the line yet. They literally have like, uh, you know, let's just keep pushing this under the carpet, pushing it under the carpet. Yeah, they know it exists. What advice do you have for them to actually start this conversation? Because I just believe that a lot of it just has to start with the proper way we bring it up and converse about it. So I, you know what? That's such a great question, Greg. The big question. You don't do smalls, right? That's a good question, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> right. So I think the first thing, you see, the pro- the first thing is that accept that we're all biased. And I'm not the only person that has said that. Many people have said that. Right. But if you accept that we're all biased, you can't, even with the unequal opportunity due to history and all of these things that have happened, if you accept that we're all biased, you can't then do programs and initiatives mm-hmm. and trainings which mm-hmm. say something along the lines of this. We're all biased. Close your eyes. Think of a pilot, right? And you think of a pilot and you you don't see a black person, you don't see a disabled person, you just see a white male or you don't see a woman, right? So we're all biased. Don't worry, we're all biased, right? But mm-hmm. you say that we're all biased, but then the training is one-sided. Is a one-way street. So the training only focuses on changing the majority's perspective. But in the moment, in the moment, if bias is multidirectional, I have the propensity to be as biased towards you as you two towards me. So if we accept that we're all biased, right? If we accept that we're all biased in the first instance, then we can talk about the multidirectional nature. And that's the way that we can address it. And then we can say, right, how do we equip people to navigate the multi-directional nature? In essence, if I sense bias from you, uh, Greg, as my boss, I should be able to create in the moment psychological safety using the IDU methodology to call out that bias or to bring that to my sensed, because always sensed, my sense bias to your uh, to your attention. Likewise, if you sense my reverse bias, that is my misinterpretation of your behavior towards me as driven by bias, you should be able to call me out. But the problem is we don't do that because the majority are scared or of being seen as unsympathetic to the equality cause. And the minority are too caught up in pain and retribution uh, 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 for, hit, for what has happened historically, on generally, or on an individual basis. And so that impairs their vision right but as leaders as a leader if you're a leader of an organization or a people manager i'm calling on them i'm calling on you to transcend the guilt pain and retribution 
and focus on solution. And when you transcend the guilt, pain and retribution and focus on the solution, you recognize that there is a multidirectional nature. And the only way to address it is through a collaborative approach, which is my IDU methodology. I like your IDU method and I think it will work effectively. And I think for those people um, of which I'm sure there are many that are in denial of their bias, um, you know, that you bring light awareness to the bias that exists. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it doesn't matter across board, whether you're white or you're black or you're Asian or you're female or you're male or wherever perspective you're coming from, we know that they exist. The question, are you willing to come in a neutrality to actually discuss them and be open about the fact that they exist and that this is multidimensional? Um, so how can individuals in the workplace Somebody's there. I just said denial. Uh, become more aware of their biases and address this unconscious bias. I know you've got the the navigatingbias.com quiz, yes. right? Um, but if they're listening to us right now, what are a couple of things that you might ask them a question about that would create greater awareness about their unconscious bias? Again, another another good question there. So um, I think there are a couple of things. I think, you know, well, well I, I'll say it in a statement, but it is a question, right? I'll say it in a statement, but the question comes out of it. When you sense bias towards you, bias decisions, behaviors, right? You are absolutely 100% correct, whoever you are. Right? Whether you're minority, majority, you're absolutely 100% correct. But, so when you sense bias, you're absolutely correct. But the question that you have to ask yourself is, are you sensing your bias to the other person or their bias towards you? That's the question that you should always ask yourself. The problem is we always anchor to what we've been conditioned to think. So when we sense bias... We just assume we're sensing the other person's bias towards us. But sometimes what we're sensing is our own bias towards the other person. So always ask yourself that. When you, you know, when I sense bias, am I sensing my own bias, my, my bias, or am I sensing the other person's bias before I even start to intimate anything? If I can do that, that will help me. So that's the first thing, right? Um, the second thing is that you must always call out sensed bias. But the key is you have to do it effectively. So I always say to people, you have a 50-50 chance of being part of the problem or part of the solution. If you sense bias, you should always call it out. But you have to allow for your misinterpretation. So okay. that's the second thing. You have to allow. And the way to allow for your misinterpretation is to say, I don't understand, or some variation of that, right? Okay. And then the third, the third point is... I would say is, and this is a big, yeah, is to unsubscribe from the uni, from a one-way street view of bias. Okay. Or generally unsubscribe. Are you subscribed to uh, a one-way street or a two-way street? Or multi-directional. Yeah, multi-directional. Yeah. One-way streets tear us apart. Two-way streets bring us together. And they say- Yeah, that no, that, those three make just perfect sense. Now, look, we, the workplace is evolving all the time. You have 
as you mentioned, Deborah, age bias, race bias, sex bias. Um, our workplaces are evolving, even generational bias. Yeah. Okay. Generational. Um, look, I'm much older than you, but I see the bias. Even my wife have talked about, you know, once somebody gets to be closer to my age, you know, you see what I'm going to call as hmm, discrimination. Yeah. Okay? Um, so what are three takeaways that you'd leave our listeners with that can help them navigate the whole myriad of biases? Because I didn't just say it was color or race. Hmm. I said it's age. You know, it's gender. Okay. It's intelligence bias. Yeah. People say that person's more intelligent than this other person. That person has less experience than the other person. So it's experiential bias. Right. So if you took this whole arena, the word bias itself encompasses a very broad range of things that happen in the workplace. It happens outside yeah. the workplace too, but we're particularly focused on the workplace. In the workplace. Yeah. What three things would you tell people today that either have experienced age bias, sexual bias, race bias, um, educational bias, and how might they overcome that in the workplace? So I think, yeah, again, I think the first, I think, I think the big thing is um, whenever you sense it, you have to call it out but you have to allow for your misinterpretation. So you can't accuse anybody of, but you have to allow for your misinterpretation. You must allow for your misinterpretation. So that's the, that's the first thing, right? Allow for your misinterpretation. The second thing is, and it speaks to what you said at the top of the, or earlier, at the, earlier when we were speaking, is what, you know, what do I actually want? You know, be here now, you know, what do I actually want? Am I, do I want to get in, am I more concerned with convincing or having a debate or an argument with somebody about um, their mistreatment of me? Or am I concerned in getting what my, achieving my objective? If your primary objective, if your, if your primary focus is to achieve your objective, right? That should be a lot, make it life a lot easier for you in terms of how you come to a, this type of solution and what i mean by that is it should be easy for you to drop that drop any baggage drop any baggage that you have so we've looked at two things there right first is you must call out sense bias but you must allow for your misinterpretation yeah you must allow for it. second is drop any baggage that you think you know, that you may feel you have the right to have you've got to drop right. it right. right and then um i think the third thing is be prepared to let it go. You know, be prepared to let it go. Once you've once you've had a collaborative discussion about it, be prepared to let that instant go. Don't anchor to that to that and sometimes it's your bias, but don't anchor to the bias that you sense towards you because when you anchor to it, you perpetuate the problem and you're more likely to sense it when it's not there and create a create a conflict. So those well, I are think three. I think equality is another big one. And, um, you know, so when you, when you, you can't come into a room that I'm greater than, 
you have to come into room as an equal when you do that. Yeah. So that's easily said, that's dropping your baggage. That's dropping yeah. all of that, right? Because you're never going to accomplish the end goal and objective of an organization where those kind of things occur, where somebody is saying I'm superior over somebody uh, or in any way, whether it, because I'm white, because I own the company, because I because I have better knowledge, you have to have be fully inclusive in that environment. And I think your test and your book, if you want to hold it up again, this is a good opportunity for you to hold up the book. Give the uh, listeners an opportunity to say, I don't understand, right? And navigate their unconscious biases. And I would say, you know, Buki, it's been an honor and pleasure having you on the show and spending some time with us, just creating awareness about what goes in, on inside of us as human beings. Understanding that it is unconscious is the biggest part, yeah. that it is playing a huge role and what effectively gets accomplished? You said $500 billion it's costing the U.S. economy. So multiply that times all the other economies in the across the world. Yeah. And you have billions and billions, maybe trillions of dollars trillions. being yeah. Yeah, the being affected. Uh, you are a knowledgeable guy about this topic. I wish you all the well with this book. Uh, I hope all my listeners out there go and get a copy. Again, for you listeners. If you want to learn more about this, you've got the website that you can go to to take the test. But the other one is just to go to Buki's website. It's B-U-K-I-M-O-S-A-K-U.com. There you can learn more about his services, his speaking, his bias compass, the events, the articles he's written, the other interviews he's done. It's a great website for you to do that. And also take uh, the opportunity to take the test, uh, which is at the website as well. Buki, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth, spending the last little bit of time with us from London. Uh, blessings to you for Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holidays. You too. You too. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.